0: Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, science-backed beauty and the microbiome. We are revisiting our beauty innovation talks in Stockholm from a few weeks ago, where we hosted a great roster of speakers from the Nordic beauty scene and beyond. We will hear from Johanna Gilbru, founder of Skinome, Lucas Nanini, head of Europe and Asia, The Good Face, Josefine Liljeteg, chief innovation officer at Harford, Lars Fredriksson, CEO and founder of Verso, and lastly Leo Salvi, head of science at Kind2Bio. These were wide-ranging conversations where we covered a lot of topics including the state of science-backed beauty, the new obligations for brands, retailers and laboratories, and the health of the skin microbiome and barrier as a key purchasing criteria. My name is Konrad Dulson, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleague Johan Magnusson. How are you, Johan?
1: I'm very good thanks and uh, what about you?
0: Uh it's the home stretch. This is the final episode of 2023, the final episode of this I would say jam-packed, event-packed season of Scandinavian Mind, so I'm actually longing for a, a bit of a pause in the content factory. How about you?
1: Yeah, just like we want it to be, and then uh, we all know that right after New Year's uh, we have the trade fairs kicking off again. Shall I remind you again?
0: Oh no, I I can't even think about that right <laughs> now. We we we're still also a few episodes overdue, so I'm I'm we're already sitting here. Uh planning and editing for the first episodes of, of next year because we have too much content in the pipeline. Super happy about that. But this I think this year was also very interesting. And just let's just look back at uh the year we launched the beauty innovation uh concept. Uh, we launched it right before summer, uh kind of uh, uh went full speed during the, the autumn. We've done uh, several events. Uh, the two of them, lastly, now at our headquarters here in Stockholm at Great and, and several others planned for next year. Uh, I've asked many times, Johan, but but this has been transformative for you as well, uh, uh, professionally, as you know, being the key responsible for this. So what, what's this been like?
1: A great challenge and a great fun. I posted on my social media the other day that uh, this was my the best uh, move in my professional career. To, uh, to, 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 to find the topic and then just dive into it. And I'm uh, always, mm. uh, or almost always, the only guy uh, uh, present at those presentations uh, th- that I'm going to a bunch of times every week. And it's clear that it's, uh, yeah, the brands and the brand representatives, they really like that uh, a guy is asking, uh, yeah, quite advanced questions and uh, is quite critical. <laughs>
0: Uh, we have a kind of a, 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 a unusual setup with our events as well as we are co-hosting them, you and I. T- two guys from Stockholm doing these kind of events around uh, a beauty and where beauty is headed next. Um, and just, you know, we talked about it with the last event in Stockholm. Uh, it, it only reinforced this time that there is a need for these types of gatherings. People are really appreciative of, uh, of the event, both the content and the networking uh, session afterwards. Uh, this was packed. I think we even had more people this time than, than the, the, the time before. Uh, the room was vibrating. People are really curious. They want to know uh, what's next.
1: Yeah, it's clear that uh, people talk to each other. They recommend their uh, industry uh, colleagues and the friends to, to come and visit. So um, excited about 2024 in terms of beauty innovation talks.
0: All right, so let's get into it. We did a full session on the microbiome. We did it together with our friends at kind to biome who we were co-hosting this uh, Beauty Innovation Talks together with. Um, you want, we're going to get into a lot of the content. It's going to be a longer episode because we want to share all the insights that was covered at this event, uh, including your opening kind of forecast of, of what's what's happening but but before we get into it let, let's just talk a little bit about why we're doing this and what is the microbiome and why is it important for the industry do you think
1: it's a bit complex uh, and it's even more complex for end consumers but we all know and we've said it right. so many times now that the end consumer is more knowledgeable knowledgeable than ever but basically, what it all comes down to is a bigger macro trend when we, where we uh, have started to talk about so-called kind skin care. Uh, and uh, after all those years, uh, as far as we can remember, uh, we've had a huge focus on peelings and uh, retinols, retinoids, while now we see the opposite. And we talk about kind skin care and uh, we talk about skin health and then it all comes down to the microbiota And uh, that is uh, like billions of uh, microorganisms, uh, which together uh, forms the microbiota and lives on the, they live on the surface of our skin. And um, it's not a new thing for researchers. It's not a new thing for uh, R&D departments or uh, brand developers or brand owners. But what it all comes down to now is this huge trend of kind skin care where we emphasize even more about uh, the microbiome and skin health, and um, yeah, to, to achieve a healthy and glowy skin. That's what we all want, right? Especially now in Scandinavia in December.
0: All right, so we covered this topic from a great deal of angles during this full time, full hour of uh, talks and content that we had at this event, uh, beginning with uh, your forecast, Yuan. So let's get into that to begin with. Juan Magnuson, a warm applause! Yeah. You want, today we're gonna to talk about science-backed beauty. What do we mean by that?
1: Yeah, it's quite a contradiction because obviously beauty and skincare is science by itself but we've all seen this uh, huge uh, macro trend growing for the last few years with science-backed skincare. and uh, what many experts say and what i agree on is uh, of course it's a post pandemic effect we had we were too boring when we were sitting uh, in our homes uh, during the pandemic we had too much time for youtube tutorials to check the uh, inky list and such and we got to learn a lot about new ingredients and uh, new formulations and then we will start to uh, demand more from uh, the retailers, the brands, the brand owners Mm. and such and what we see now is the effect of that
0: So let's get into it, you've picked out a few quotes, uh, a few things to talk about
1: Yeah, it summarizes it all Science science drives beauty trends from the Global Wellness Summit's uh, trend report for for this year. Beauty consumers are demanding education and transparency from from companies. And of course, transparency is a huge part of that as well. So where do we get this information? Uh, Many of us in this room, we have TikTok accounts. The younger generations, the Gen Z, the millennials, they truly have TikTok accounts. They tend to listen too much to the skin experts on TikTok. The self-educated, sometimes skin experts on TikTok. This is a great example from last year. Number seven, the beauty brand, they teamed up with a bunch of influencers to create their own, create their collecti- collective, in order to uh, yeah learn those uh, influencers on uh, yeah how to. Um, yeah, they, they get more educated uh, and then they, can, they, they could teach that to their audience as well. Yeah, so let's mo- move on to uh, the m- microbiome, which is the second theme for, this, uh, for these talks. The science of the living ecosystem of the skin. science back beauty and the microbiome, uh, it says here in the event title, it's uh, incoming megatrends. I would say that it is already present megatrends, but it, it will evolve in the years to come. We did an interview with uh, Trevor. I guess you all know him, founder of S Skincare, which he had he has run for yeah more than twenty years now. Uh, he's he he believes that it's not going anyway uh, in the la- in the next few years. So uh, why will it become a mega trend? This is uh, we go back to the more knowledgeable end consumer, uh, the more demanding end consumer. It's not enough anymore that it's a vegan product that it's a clean product if if we go to the U.S. or a natural product. The next level of the natural product movement from Europe uh, will include a huge focus on the skin microbiome and uh, the brands and brand owners and also retailers uh, will have to adapt to that. And how? Uh, Yeah, we already see it. We've seen it for the last few years. What we do miss, and what we will talk about a lot uh, uh, later on uh, in these talks, are the retailers. We see the focus on microbiome and science-backed beauty uh, on TikTok, uh, when people speak to each other uh, in trend reports, in our own trend report, but not in retail. the, the the missing piece here in order for the microbiome in order to sort of take over the industry and become truly relevant is that we see it in stores mm. uh, on signs in stores on lead screens in stores in the uh, retailers communication and also of course the retailers have a huge responsibility in order to educate their consumers but and that also goes to uh, brand owners of course and it's a huge challenge because it is quite complex And it gets more complex the more you dive into it.
0: What's your advice there? Because I think a lot of people think think about that. Where where to start? If you are insecure or if you just kind of feel like you're scratching the surface, how do you get more information? Except for subscribing to us, of course.
1: Tricky question, but uh, I think that fashion can serve as a good example here, because uh, for the last five, six, seven years, uh, we've seen uh, journals on uh, fashion uh, brands' websites. It's their take on um, um, providing... They're becoming sort of a media outlet, the brands themselves, on their websites. Uh, And they're providing uh, interviews with the people they like. They can provide city guides, or they can provide how to take care of garments. But we don't see that uh, as much for for other industries. Uh, so perhaps uh, because if if you go to you c- we can all read a, an, an inky list uh, on a brand's website, but that's quite boring. But if you turn it into like an editorial piece, where you get uh, maybe a chemist to to explain in an u- understandable way uh, why the microbiome is. Uh, is, uh, such, is so important and will become even more important and you uh, hire a great photographer, then you've come a long way. And way ahead of many competitors, because I rarely see this. I, I visit a lot of brand websites. It's a good, good, good tip. So, so the act of creating
0: content can be a sort of a research project in and of itself. Let's, uh, let's move on then.
1: What I believe uh, is, uh, not, not me, but uh, yeah, I think uh, dermatological beauty uh, has a big role to play here. We're all looking for kind skin care, and now, in, especially in, th- in the times we're in, we're also looking for safe skin care. And um, yeah, the brands, uh, the dermatological brands, they have uh, um, uh, growing a growing record of uh, being very safe and uh, safe to use. And um, um, yeah, they're, they're growing quite a lot. Here's from an interview we did with Emma from um, L'Oreal Dermatological Beauty in the Nordics and uh, La Roche-Posay here to the right it's not only uh, the fastest growing um, uh, brand in the L'Oreal group it's also for 2022 the fastest growing skincare brand in the entire world and I think that says a lot a brand reputation it's dermatological it's safe uh, and they're also very inclusive including in their communication uh, both uh, (laughs) How, how they interact with their end consumers but also of course uh, with an inclusive um, um, marketing campaigns and such.
0: Is there anything particular, any topic <laughs> that you're looking out for that pe- if, if that is on your horizon that you're s- particularly receptive
1: for? Uh, I would say two things. Uh, we will cover a lot more about data mm. uh, because uh, when we move from a natural movement in skincare, like natural skincare we've seen it for yeah, so many years we move into microbiome, we move into biotech, we also move into data-driven um, cosmetic formulations, but of course also for brand owners in their daily operations. I wish we can also arrange uh, a special talks about data. The other topic I'm very curious of is uh, regenerative uh, practices for skincare brands. I think it's a huge trend coming, but it will take a lot of time because it's so complex. We've seen a few brands starting with it, uh, we have uh, Davines, the Italian brand, we have Lush, the British brand, uh, and they've been around for a few years, but it's taken a lot of investment for them and it's very complex. But it's not only about uh, reducing emissions uh, or uh, planting trees, uh, it's also about uh, how to give back to to earth, the soil, how to create uh, uh, a better soil uh, when you, ex- if you use uh, natural um, extracts from where you extract um, the ingredients, uh, in order for the forest or the the water to to improve the condition of the the, the nature.
0: All right, thank you. Yuwan Magnusson, everybody. All right, thank you, Yuwan, for those insights. Let's move ahead to the first panel talk of the event where I spoke to Lucas Nanini, head of Europe and Asia of The Good Johanna Gilbru, founder of Skinome, and Josefine Lilieteg, chief innovation officer of Hartford. I thought this talk was really fascinating to lead and Johan, you were in the audience. What was it like listening to this?
1: It's uh, it, it was a bit special because uh, they couldn't really agree on the uh, on the, um, the, they had different opinions on the topic, and uh, uh, afterwards uh, people were uh, super excited to to speak more to these three um, uh, panel members. So obviously they made a great impression.
0: No, I, I really enjoyed that, I actually feel like this is something we could do perhaps a little bit more with these events, and I know. They disagreed even more than they let shine on on stage, and I was kind of hoping for for them to to push even further on their kind of hot takes. And uh, I p- perhaps because it's a very polite industry, and people don't uh, they aren't used to kind of polemics like this. Um, but uh, I, I do feel that uh, we could do more of almost like debates around some of these topics. Uh, so let's let's uh, keep that for for upcoming events. All right, here now, uh, Lucas Nanini, head of Europe and Asia, the good face, uh, Johanna Gilbru, uh, founder of Skinome and Josephine Liliteg, chief innovation officer of Hartford. Let's dive into it. Um... So happy that you are here. I think you all represent uh, various parts of the industry, so different perspectives. But we're better to start, I think, with the scientist uh, herself, uh, Johanna. Uh, you're the founder of Skinome. Uh, I'm super curious about. Just give it a, a, an insight on h- your journey and how you started the brand.
2: Uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much for coming. So many. <gasps> I see so many familiar faces, it's so <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, okay, I can speak about this forever, so please just, uh, I will... I'll l- cut you off. Yeah, cut, cut me off, cut me off. Uh, to make a very, very long story shorter, I started out having a skin disease, so I started out having vitiligo when I was a child. Uh, and that led to uh, finally that I did my PhD on the disease and, and actually treated it in, uh, to a certain extent. Um, but then when I moved back to Sweden and uh, started to work for a cosmetic company, I understood that, or it struck me that it's so different, the world of dermatology, where I came from, comparing to the skincare area. Because for example, when we developed this cream to treat my vitiligo and 10,000 more patients, uh, it was sec- it, the most important thing, of course, was to treat or to limit the suffering of the skin disease. And the secondary aspect was, how is it going to be stored? This uh, cream that we developed was stored in the fridge. How does it smell? It's nice to have if it smells kind of nice, but it's not a must have. I mean, think about all the dermatological preparation or formulations that are done of of sulfur because that actually gives uh, efficacy, and it smells shit. So, so, so that really struck me. That, but I mean, we are not doing, uh, we are not doing what is best for the skin itself. We are mostly spending our time on trying to uh, get this product survive for a long time, and that really in the end, they ate me up. Uh, and that actually led me to start Skinome and finding my uh, wonderful colleagues that can actually make this happen. So uh, so I think that is where it came from. And going into the microbiome, that was because I started to think about, but I mean, we are overpreserving all these products just for it to be able to stand on the shelf uh, under very at that time I mean this was 10 years ago when I started to think about this then it was all retail it was no uh, e-commerce and all the products that, we, that was sold was, was on the shelf in a boutique and it was very um, strong lighting <laughs> And the product w- was warm, and all the products were uh, all the formulations were based in jars. And I thought, I mean, to be able to for these products to survive for three years on the shelf or in your bathroom, uh, it, we really need to over preserve it. And that is what what we do in the tra- in traditional skincare. We are really over preserving our products, and that leads to skin problems. And that uh, a very very strong link to the the skin problems is actually what we do with the skin microbiome so i started to uh, travel around the world going to microbiome conferences and uh, and then i mean the skin microbiome was not this was 2015-16 it was all about the gut skin microbiome but then the, the kind of thought was but I mean, we are so health conscious. I mean, I can guarantee that all of us are in this room are so self-conscious, uh, self-health uh, conscious. We, we, I mean, the way we treat our skin, in a way, is exactly the same as if we would eat a little bit of antibiotics every day. But then we would still be very, very careful about what we eat. We would really select the eco. Food on uh, In the grocery store, but still we are really taking a little bit of antibiotics every day just to make sure just to be on the safe side and I mean we will never do that with our inner organs, but why do we do that with our biggest organ our skin
0: let's talk about your the, how you work with this because as you said you, you started up uh, as a kind of startup, mm. you, you got the investors on to be able to sort of fulfill your, your vision on this. Uh, you had this strong vision of how you wanted to do things. H- how do you implement these, th- the science in your company uh, today? Wh- what are some of the processes that you have?
2: Yeah, first of all, we have a very strong vision that we will never compromise on skin health. That is that is what we are really all about, skin health. and and. Uh, I mean, to be able to do this, uh, we had to build a lab. We had to uh, we had to go off all the golden standards when it comes to traditional skincare, Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it took three years until we had one product even on the on the market.
0: I'm going to come back to you, Johanna. I want to move over to to Josephine. You are the Chief Innovation Officer of Hartford. Uh, You represent production of a lot of different uh, Mm -hmm. uh, brands. Uh, So you have a kind of a, from a singular perspective to a wide (laughs) perspective. Uh, To begin with, what does a Chief Innovation Officer do?
3: She does everything from (laughs) being responsible for product development, every product going out from a factory. For the quality of every product and also being responsible for regulatory affairs.
0: Right, and I know you have a background in regulatory uh, affairs as well. That
3: as well, yes. Yeah.
0: Can you talk about, uh, uh, we talked the other day and I I mentioned some of the concepts we want to talk to uh, today and you were like, we've been doing this for several years. How do you see uh, the the past few years developing in this field?
3: Um, Well, yes, indeed there is a lot more about science today, but I still lack the real science. I mean, uh, you just said that people want more transparency and so on. Real consumers don't gil- really get it if you're being really transparent to them. They don't. I mean, you can sit there and explain the margin of safety, or you can about the Noel levels and so on, and they still don't get it. I mean, everybody knows that 2% of vitamin C is enough, but everybody wants to use 50. And well, why? Mm. I mean, how do you then? W- I, I, sometimes working in the field, you get so tired of being transparent when you still can't get through. Mm. So I think that's one way, and of course, obviously, the microbiome is one big trend. Then going more natural uh, is one trend. I think that um, we will see more and more companies talking about the standard one, 16128, perhaps about the natural origin index, for example.
0: Yeah.
3: That has changed certainly.
0: Um, but talk about the, the what you, you did. I want to pick up on what you just said. It's mm. hard to. To kind of connect with the consumer with, with some of these topics, how do you connect with your brands and, and how much are they expecting you to report on, on uh, the, the, the processes?
3: Well, they want full transparency of me and right. of us and I am always very black and white and transparent and say this is fact and that's not. But you decide as a company which way you want to go. Mm. That's always how we do it and I think that's the way you should do it also. But then, then the questions start to come But could we still say this? No you need to put in a may help. Do this and this on your skin. Why can't we leave out the may? Because <laughs> we don't know it's sure it's true. So that's how you do it. Right. But I mean I'm very happy every time we chew with a customer that they really get what you explain. Because then I feel that I have made some successes at least. Mm. So
0: I mean, you have a lot of incoming projects, and uh, you mentioned to me there was, uh, I don't mention the number, but it was some staggering number of, of products in development at any given time. Uh, how has the, the, the sort of request from brands changed the past few years, do you, would you say? Uh,
3: well, it has indeed changed that they want, everybody wants to talk about the. New actives like vitamin C, which is not new, uh, vitamin E, which is not new, niacinamide, which is not new. (laughs) I mean, they're all, but everybody wants them now, at least our customers. And then there's we also do hair care indeed, so there's a lot about sulfate free. And uh, keramites are really strong now again, but they are so expensive, but they're they're really strong. Um, It's not so much anti age or pro age, it's more about taking care of your skin, looking healthy and and feeling moisturized.
0: Got it. Uh, I want to bring in uh, Lucas, uh, and you, you're going to have to describe what Good Face does for, for, for everyone. I know you're crisscrossing around Europe right now uh, w- with this mission. Uh, describe the, the company, and, and I want to go into how you th- see uh, science because you have a very interesting perspective on it.
4: Well, first and foremost, I would like to apologize. I see all the guys are wearing, like, jackets and total neck and <laughs> shirts. And I'm wearing a black hoodie. I didn't expect Stockholm to be so cold today. <laughs> I just flew in from France, so I just wanted to start with that. Um, if I was to um, summarize what Goodface does, it's basically filling the gap when it comes to communication and data and science being transmitted f- along the entire value chain from an ingredients manufacturer, a contract manufacturer a factory, a brand, a retailer and a consumer. And there was this element of communication and, and transparency. Every time you have a new milestone you either lose information, don't have access to information or distort the information. And what really GoodFace is aiming at is doing two things. Number one, attaching all the carriages of that train. But also, number two, helping the brands that are being asked all those questions about transparency to not spend 99% of the time to collect documents, to check uh, regulatory status, to check toxicity level, to call the contract manufacturers about impurities or biologens, but instead spend 99% on innovation
0: and only 1% on
4: the um, admin work.
0: Got it. Talk about how you see the, um, the science, and we, we talked the other day, you mm-hmm. mentioned these three different levels. So yeah. can, you, can you just walk, with, walk walk us through that?
4: Yeah, I'm a, um, I have a very simple mind. I'm a, I'm a chemist. Um, I studied in a chemistry university in France. Actually, a school friend of mine used to work at uh, Skinum as well, Sylvain
2: ah uh-huh, nice, yeah. nice, you yeah. yeah.
4: had to say it He's at Ashland now um, And um, I love um, presenting things in um, very simple principles right? And it's all about learning and, and nuggets And you'll see nuggets is my power word There's a couple of things The, the beauty of science is um, repeatable and reproducible And this needs to carry across all touch points As I've explained earlier but the other thing is when it comes to science the pockets of innovation in my opinion could be found in three big pockets number one is chemistry, number two is biology, that's why we hear a lot about microbiome for example and number three is physics right and what is interesting is when you develop a product or develop a system it's interesting to start combining those three pockets right how the ingredients on the chemical level or the biological level, depending on the nature of the ingredients, will interact on your surface of your skin. What's the mode of dispensing and the mode of operation? Do you need to massage it? Do you need to push it? And just use other spaces like physics, like applicators and things like that. So I always try to simplify very complex spaces by reducing them into smaller sub-buckets.
0: I mean, you work with brands all over the, the world, yeah. from, from my understanding. How active are you on uh, just advising them on, on ingredients yeah. and formulations? <laughs> well, that's uh, where the
4: uh, company came from,
0: actually. So yeah.
4: the company was, um, and you've mentioned about uh, gender inclusivity here. The Good Face project was founded by two women, super talented, Eva and Liena, in um, San Diego in California. And what they started uh, with initially uh, was an app for consumers. And it was along the lines of what you would find in, in France, an app called YuCA, mm. which is an information app. Personally, I'm not a big fan of it, but it was really a business to consumer business model for Goodface at the beginning. And actually what happened is more and more brands were coming to us and asking more specific questions. more science-based questions, documentations, and really those technical questions that goes beyond just the ingredient level. And that's where the app was turned about like three and a half years ago into a solution for businesses, right? Right. Now, when it comes to helping brands, there's uh, two things we help them with. Cut the 99% admin work into the 1% admin work. But the second thing is we're super inclusive um, about who we talk to. Someone told me, um, it was two weeks ago I had a meeting and I was late for the next meeting, sorry I had to cut the meeting short and uh, the next person was not even a customer, it was just a, comp- a small company we were um, talking with and it was a very small company and I told them you know what I just literally cut short the meeting with Clarence because to me you guys are equally important as Clarence. Why? Because the element of education for us is not just about selling a solution, it's also making sure that the transformation, the education that you were referring to earlier, actually percolates in a way that um, benefits the greater goods across the whole value chain. So we spend as well a lot of time um, to events like this. So I just flew in today, flying back tomorrow, um, because we want to give back. we had events where um, those are very small companies or even students sometimes. We have bigger events with like big retailers and we don't discriminate. Voice is all about you know giving the right information at the right level.
0: Got it. Uh, I'm gonna get back to you and uh, I want you to give you some advice on, on, on companies here in the Scandinavia. Okay. I'm a cliffhanger on that. Uh, but we talked about sort of the, the, the challenge of reaching out to the consumer and explaining some of these perhaps complex issues and and uh, with Skinoma I'm I'm curious how you have done that what's your experience with interacting with with the consumers are they susceptible to these uh, these issues?
2: I think it's uh, yeah I think it's two things I mean we started our road really going preservative free that is how we started to to keep the uh, microbiome in in the most balanced way, mm. uh, and then we have now a product where we have uh, done in collaboration with biogaia where we have live uh, lactic acid bacteria from uh, milk from uh, breast milk uh, so we have kind of a probiotic product and then we have since we are we want to take care of our skin microbiome, then we need to uh, put nutrients in the formulations. So then we use prebiotics, the food for the good, good bacteria. But this we haven't really, we haven't communicated so much on the, because in, in one way I think, the <laughs> I mean, we all know that the cosmetic industry is full of store ingredients. That has been, you know, for decades. It's natural, and then it's uh, sometimes it should be natural. Sometimes it should be uh, something that sounds very exclusive, gold particles, diamond particles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it should be something that that sounds very potent. That could be snail snail mucin or or uh, uh, bi i don't even remember the name now but yeah you know what i mean it's always and i feel unfortunately maybe i shouldn't say this loud but it's it's very very nowadays it's it's spreading the microbiome storing ingredients as well and and um, and that is uh, is very tricky because first of all if you do a formulation that should be microbiome friendly you can't have you know, you know, you can't stick like prebiotics, postbiotics, probiotics into that formulation and uh, at the same time have preservatives. You can't even have a probiotic formulation with water because that, that will end up having all the lactic acid bacteria or w- which bacteria it, it is, grow to a certain uh, level for a couple of months and then it will die off. So you need to have it totally anhydrous without water. You need to have the formulation uh, if you 're going to have it surviving for a year in the fridge so so we can i mean it 's just for all of us to look into the ink ingredients on the companies that claim to be microbiome friendly or have a lot of microbiome technologies, including probiotics postbiotics prebiotics and um, And I think that is very important kind of bring forward also that that it's it's dangerous if this which is already happening that it is a trend that kind of stems from store ingredients which i feel it's it's a lot about today
0: right right josephine i want to pick up on your your own kind of criticism here uh when you talk to to brands about how to to reach out do you do you advise them there or what's the interaction
3: yes O- all the time. I mean, we, yes, absolutely. That's how we do it. We propose claims and what to say but, and what not to say and so on. Mm-hmm. Yes, all the time.
0: And how have you observed the, the consumer's attitude? Are you there? Are you, are you looking at the sort of consumer's uh, behaviors?
3: Well, of course, I have to sometimes go into... Lico or Kix web shops and see what they comment about the products we make. So yes, 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 I'm there. And we also <laughs> get uh, feedback from, from, from our, our customers directly. But uh, you can almost always guess in advance uh, which communication is going to be difficult. And then we advise them even not to do it, for example. So yeah, but it.
0: Mm-hmm. And th- that's interesting. and uh, Lucas, from your perspective, it, advising the, the consumer, how, how do you go about doing that? It's or uh, or edu- educating the consumer, I guess. It's
4: the so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll jump back a few years. I'm, I was trained at uh, Procter & Gamble. I spent a few years on um, consumer insights and what we call products research. And products research was a function when you basically in between the lab and the consumers. right? So the entire translation had to happen and the thing that um, struck me the most was about what consumers will say they want and what they would actually do right when i started i'm a bit older when i started it was two or six it was all about sustainability nothing was done back then and you would design the best concepts with all the sustainability element to it the natural ingredients and recyclable packaging but you would have to make that product 50 cent more expensive Right? In consumer control environment they will all want to buy your concepts. At PNG we had so much money we had fake stores and we used to do shop along with consumers and see which one they would buy. They will never buy the one that was the most sustainable. They will buy the one that had the best color or the best fragrance. Right. So the thing that we always need to look into account when we look into communication is are we talking absolute information or are we talking about relative information, right? always making sure you get your calibrations, and you really measure the trade-off, and put that in your experiments when, com- when a community comes about the consumer. In the space of uh, products nowadays, and we talk about preservatives, I also have a, a baby care brand in the US, and we formulate with no preservatives, right? It's becoming complicated nowadays to export in Southeast Asia, where we're expanding, because of all those constraints that we have with humidity and long shelf life, right? and um, the uh, things that we have to do is either you have a much shorter shelf life and you compromise both on pricing, on production logistics and on availability for, availability for consumers or you add a reference that is actually has uh, preservatives in it. I'm in the same group, we won't add preservatives but what that means is from a business point of view you're reducing the size opportunity because you want to maximize the fit with your vision, right? And what is interesting nowadays with consumers, I'm seeing more of them fitting and following a vision and actually compromising on the money and spending more to support a vision than just uh, maximizing their pleasure on fragrance and colors, for example. So the education is becoming a bit easier in that sense nowadays. Mm -hmm.
0: And you've been interacting with the, the Nordic region in Sweden. Uh, uh, what, what is your take on this market and, and what do you think they, they should perhaps do better?
4: All right, so um, that's the curveball. what say with thought to me in front of like 70 people. Um, two points. Number one, French people love Scandinavian people, right? <laughs> well love Scandinavian okay. product and not just IKEA, okay? <laughs> Um, We value everything that you guys have. Every time we see a Scandinavian product to us, (coughs) it resonates as quality, Mm. nature-infused, minimalism, but expressed in an elegant way, right? But this also has a drawback, because what we start to see, especially on some of the brands from Scandinavia, and I'm not going to do any any naming here, again, because it's recorded, um, great storytelling and going to the essential and the essence of a brand, great um, ingredients-focused stories, right? Um, But what is starting to lack is what's the science depth beyond that, right? In the US, for example, is the other way around. They will just go and grasp a new ingredients. First thing they'll do, clinical testing, stress testing, and really trying to find the claim and the pattern beyond that. And that's how they start to separate themselves. They'll also go into new technologies, such as like new areas of fermentations, for example. What we see in Scandinavia, or what I've seen with some of the local brands, is also what we've seen in the UK, for example. There's beautifully controlled storytelling, great ingredients, but we're starting now to challenge the, the science. And I think the ones that invest more in the science will be able to set themselves apart.
0: Thank you for that um, there's uh, so much we could cover. We have to move on soon, but I want to give you a chance we scan them in mind we're all about kind of what's happening around the corner uh, you know, watching new trends new things. I want to give you all a chance to look in the li- uh, a crystal ball in a, in a, in a, in a way uh, josephine huh? can you imagine one or two things you see happening uh you know in many years or two time that that we should keep an eye on mm-hmm.
3: Well, obviously, it's the microbiome that's been said already, <coughs> but I think it's really interesting to see what the new cosmetics regulation is taking right. with itself now The EU. I mean, it's still very much open. It's very s- there, there is so much improvement that should, could be done there and should be done there. So I think that, will, that certainly will lead the way. And then I think it's also interesting to see about all these claims that are being out there today, that when will finally some kind of a market surveillance authority start to work with them? I just have to say, I saw a baby brand now on in Instagram and they claimed that did you know that 60% of the chemicals in a baby cream will go into the baby's inner organs? Well, wouldn't that be fantastic because then we wouldn't have to use any drugs or medicines anymore? Morally. (laughs) And I get so upset. This was not my brand.
4: (laughs) Just making (laughs) sure.
3: So (laughs) I always took (laughs) a screenshot and sent it to the (laughs) Consument or or because I I think this is horrible. Because how can we then really be transparent if Mm. shit like that is written? Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. Great. Good point, (laughs) Dave. Um, Lucas, you get the last word, uh, what's around the corner?
4: So what is now today, And um, because here is very local, there's a lot of things that are happening internationally, right? So US regulation is a mess right now, mm-hmm. so anyone who wants to go to the US, good luck or come and talk to me. <laughs> uh, Europe is not doing better, and China, we have our partners in China for next year, they're increasing the amount of data they need to collect. Yeah. So this is definitely not what's next, Is what's now, especially for anyone who wants to branch out of Scandinavia and, and Europe. What we um, see, um, we, have, uh, we get approached by a lot of actually ingredient manufacturers, and some very innovative ones. We have um, a big library of raw materials on our system, and what we start to see is companies like Debute, I don't know if you've heard of that company start because the consumers are starting to get more and more educated they're less scared of things that are synthetic um, or the word of chemicals right and um, that's for me what happened and was the best as a chemist the past five years is understand that natural equals safe and and synthetic equals danger is not true anymore and we start to see a lot of innovation in that space where uh, companies are starting to bring new molecules, engineer specific functionality to tackle specific uh, benefits. and we're being approached by more and more of those uh, more, and more of those companies. I don't know to what extent that will become the norm or just like an exception or maybe a, a separate tier of product, but we start to get exposed to more of those companies.
0: Lucas Nanini, Johanna Yelbro, and Josephine Lydiate, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Today. That was Lucas Nanini, Johanna Gilbro and Josefine Liljeteg. Johan, let's get on with the last uh, part of this session. The second Beauty Innovation Talks in Stockholm, where we had an old friend of ours, Lars Fredriksson, uh, CEO and founder of Verso. He's been uh, in our feeds several times. He's also been on stage when we did Beauty Innovation Talks in Copenhagen at the, at the beginning of this year. And uh, we also had Leo from, who's uh, he's the head of science at Kind to Biome, and uh, this was kind of a case study because these two companies are collaborating with each other, and uh, obviously this is a topic that's close to heart for for Leo as well. What were your impressions when when hearing the Lars and Leo uh, on stage?
1: They're of course super experienced uh, executives, and. Um... It was interesting to hear more, like, behind the scenes of their partnership and how they have worked together and how they will work together. And Verso also has uh, great, exciting launches coming in the beginning of next year. And we just started with, like, a monthly reporting online and in the Beauty Innovation newsletter. Uh, We call it Launches We Like. So we're going to get back to that. I think uh, it has uh, an embargo but uh, we will cover Verso more in the weeks to come.
0: For sure, launches we like, and and uh, points to you, you for coming up with that uh, uh, headline and concept, which we will do both uh, for beauty and for the fashion going forward. All right, now let's dive into this case study with Verso and Kind to Biome, and just to set this up correctly, it, it is uh, large speaking for a few minutes in the beginning, so it's not like an interview. Uh, so uh, don't worry, Leo will enter the conversation uh, at the end of this segment. Here now, Lars Fredriksson from Verso and Leo Salvi from Kind to Bio.
5: I was a little bit surprised when when I was um, contacted by David and, and Leo and said if I wanted to uh, participate in this panel and I said, well, this is not really my backyard and microbiome," Um, even though that I do think it's very, very interesting. And I think that all of us in this industry, we know how things are coming and a lot of them go, but there are a few things that come and they stay. And I think first time that I really got introduced to this was really by Johanna. Uh, where we had a conversation. She, she was telling me, uh, uh, this was just before, I think it was when you were doing your book, I believe, and we had a few uh, meetings. And I was also uh, seeking help from Johanna when we were doing our own project. So I, I certainly think that uh, it is a trend that is going to stay. Uh, and it's going to be even more important and I think that the, the work that uh, kind to boom is doing is fantastic. It's a good partner I think. From our perspective, um, we kind of fit in into this at the same time. The way that we see and how when we work with our development and the whole thing behind the brand um, so i 'm just going to go through a little bit how we look at this, and I do see a lot of <laughs> i 'm not sk- challenges I would say we are in uh, so many countries today. we do have a business in the u s <laughs> we do how difficult it is um, we are going through a registration process in China um, and with all that documentation so we are gaining a lot of experience so to speak, but we are also making sure that we do not want to take any shortcuts. We still uh, want to continue with our vision, what we want to do. Um, It's very important for us that we can and I can sit here or anywhere and really uh, talk about Verso and, and what we believe in. So. The origin, um, it was really how it all started and I think that some of you have heard this story before and it all came about my interest and in, in gaining um, um, experience about how to work with active ingredients and it started out working with dermatologists. and. As most of you know that I'm not a dermatologist and I'm not a chemist, but I've been going the long route and I've been blessed working with some really good and skillful people. And one of the things that I, we did learn or, and I learned was that don't take any shortcuts. Look at what is available, what is published, um, and look at what kind of ingredient it is. What can it do? Uh, what kind of concentration? Look at it. How the pharmaceutical industry is doing. Uh, if there is a good clinical trial published and where they were testing niacinamide uh, using three or four or five percent, well, go for that. Then make sure that you source the right quality, and then you try to formulate around that. Um, it's it's. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it sound easy, but for you there's a few in the room here that are working with formulations and you know some of them are a little bit easier and some others are more tricky. And then I think part of it is also when you start mixing. Uh and you need to make sure that um you find the right ones. The other thing that it's also been important to us is kind of I think that ten years ago when we started well we started 12 years ago we have, we have a 10 year anniversary from launch this year so we had we worked with two years with the whole project but at the time there's i remember there was a lot of cocktails in the market and especially asian brand you know the more the merrier you know just put it in because as you know in this industry what we put on the label or what we sorry what we put in the uh, Bottle, we need to declare it on a da- label, compared to wine, they just put the name of the grape, hopefully. <laughs> but we actually need to, if we're using 0.0001% vitamin C, we need to put it there on the ink list. And all of a sudden, we have a vitamin C cream. So I think for us, it was kind of the opposite. So we decided to go, less is more. You know the Scandinavian, the Swedish approach. You know, and, and so not only in terms of the packaging that you versus kind of symb- symbolic is showing, um, but also it comes to the to our ingredients or our formulations. And the brand itself then was you know versus Latin and means reversing time or backside of the paper the uh, should be the best of two worlds. we wanted to have really great um, the best formulas uh, we were targeting vitamin a because vitamin a was something that we had gained a lot of experience that it is one of few not the only but one of few ingredients that we know has some really great benefits to the skin But at the same time it has some challenges, both on the skin and from a formulation point of view. And there are different formats and and different kinds of vitamin A, so we just need to, you know, work on that. So you want it to be the best of two worlds. Nice, aesthetic, Scandinavian or Swedish packaging, close to lifestyle, part of what we want to, you know, kind of uh, desire. and at the same time, really great formulation. And from the very start, we gained a lot of awards. We got the awards because of the aesthetics, not for the formulations, I don't think so, but it was for the aesthetics. We continue to get the awards, and now we are getting the awards for the formulations. And I think everyone that is in this industry you know, we can launch a brand, we can sell one product, but that's not going to make it. We need to sell more products on a repeat way. Because that's how we make the business work. Um, and then science, like I said, is cornerstone. We cornerstone. We, um, going back from the background, when, when I was working with the dermatologists and then moving into the aesthetics uh, market in aesthetic medicine and working with uh, a company up in Uppsala, uh, QMed at the time, Restylane, which uh, some of its pretty known brand. Uh, you know, the whole thing there also evolved when it comes to the vitamin A and don't take the shortcuts. Make sure that you have a product that can deliver on its promise. Uh, it's been very um, key to us. And then, you know, the the whole craftsmanship. Uh, We are very proud being a Swedish brand that's been part of our story. And I know that uh, it is difficult when it comes to claim. Uh, But a lot of people, the consumer, is buying into the story. So we need to create this craftsmanship around the whole thing, both the formula and the aesthetics. And you know, kind of, it's this 360 approach, and that's you know the, the craftsmanship. So I figure then, you know, where where do we come in when it comes to microbiome? And I think once again, going back from the very beginning, is that you know there are things that come and go. We are getting pretty early. We got the question, are you clean? And I said, well, so can you please define clean for me? I don't. And we know today that, that we have several that will define Verso as clean. Okay, so that's good. We're fine. We, we don't push ourselves as a clean brand. I think we are pretty clean. We're in many ways. Are we natural? Hmm, where do we draw the line here? Uh, what is natural? What is not? Obviously, we have our vitamin A technology that is synthetic. Um, we are not considered maybe a clean LSR a natural brand in that uh, context but that could be also in a different way and I think that that goes up and down a little bit and comes and go um, sustainable are we a sustainable brand Honestly um, we, 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 honestly speak when, when we started we didn't talk about sustainability in that sense however it was very important and true to us that we wanted to have a formula and a brand that did not have ingredients or things in the formula that doesn't really have to be there, just to make it a little more fluffy or a nice color to it, but rather making sure that we're using ingredients that has a reason for being. So if we start there, uh, I think that yeah we could say that we are sustainable in terms of that we are working with our partners in terms that we are trying to produce in a sustainable way Um, and at the same time i think that the beauty industry has a kind of being compared to the fashion industry where they have a lot of criticism i think that the beauty industry still got away a little bit uh, still Uh, so i think it is not only about Using you know recyclable plastic, I think we are now looking into something different. so I think that that's something that the whole industry uh, needs to evolve and and I think things will happen not next year but over time and it has to so when when uh, Looking at this now, and, and when starting talking to, to Leo and David and, uh, and, when, and Nelly and, and in my team, uh, we really got into, you know, this kind to be home more or let, let's tr- look into this because I think that there is something here. And um, so we did started out with our uh, Hero product and with our product that has, you know, a lot of our Chrome jewel, I would say, and um, yeah, it turned out to be very kind to the biome.
6: It did Thank indeed.
5: You. Yeah, please, Leo.
6: Thanks. As Lars said, we, we worked together on the Super Elixir project. Um, it was very fun to work together, and actually being kind to biome, tying to what Josephine said before, is within one of the six definitions of what a cosmetic product can do, right? Maintaining the good state of your of your skin of your body is within one of those six definitions. Uh, the button, this one, right? Yeah. So, sorry. Actually, we worked with uh, with with Verso in, in certifying this product. Uh, we did so through our testing process. Essentially, our testing process goes through an in vitro and an ex vivo phase. Um, we then have a score, we summarize the score, and essentially we translate it into being microbiome friendly. What we look at, really, um, and for this product, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the face protocol, so essentially we have different protocols for different areas of the body, uh, because the microbiome of your face is different to the microbiome of your scalp, and so on and so forth. Um, So actually what we looked at is the effect that a product, this product, and generally what we do is we look at the effect that products have on our natural healthy microbiome. And what we want to see is that products have minimal disruption to it, essentially not disrupting your skin microbiome uh, means that you are microbiome friendly, microbiome gentle, or really any kind of wording with this same meaning. Um, But let's look at some macro trends that kind of make this very relevant, uh, both at this point in time specifically, uh, but also generally. Um, So I think the the first thing is that the science of the microbiome is impossible to neglect. And I'll get back to that in a later slide, but essentially what we understand is that the microbiome is behind so many different, um, so many different uh, systems of your body, really. Uh, it's behind so many functions of your body, whether it's the gut microbiome, as you said before, or even the skin microbiome and the ways it interacts with skin barrier function and so on. Uh, but also it seems that various uh, market and interest- industry parameters are aligning for the microbiome to to come and become, let's say, a mega trend. Um, More than just the trend that it is now. Um, Some of these parameters are, you know, the the science-packed skincare being on the rise, Uh, the the natural health trend, essentially what we're saying is that um, being healthy is more important than being beautiful. Being being beautiful means being healthy. Um, And and this is something that is going uh, straight to the consumer's hearts. And also, essentially, when we compare um, health and performance versus beauty and lifestyle, um, consumers are so much more increasingly focused on what is really good for them, what is really performing uh, well, what maintains their health in, in a good state. Um, and, and very important parameter for the microbiome specifically, it is that it is concept neutral. Um, concept neutral to, to, to brand positioning. So. Whether you are a derma brand, a lifestyle brand, an organic brand, you can really tap into being microbiome friendly without having to alter something uh, as to, to to what you're offering and how you're communicating this to your clients, uh, because everybody can be microbiome friendly. Everybody can formulate microbiome friendly um, without having to be specifically a dermatological brand or something else. Um, and then, importantly, consumer awareness. You know, uh, a lot of. A lot of brands will probably, when they talk with us consumers, have, have a lot of data around this. Uh, possibly you guys at Genome you know, <coughs> definitely gather so much, so much data from your consumers. Um, I think that consumer awareness is on the rise, as, as uh, you guys said uh, before. But on the street level, consumer awareness around the microbiome might be low. I think that if we took 10 people, not of the industry, random consumers on the street, and we asked them, um, if they know about the microbiome, I don't think more than 50% would know. Um, so I would consider that consumer awareness uh, being quite low. However, the readiness for adoption is very high. And this is because consumers experience firsthand the issues that well, clean beauty hasn't solved. Um, Johanna, you said that you started from a personal skin condition, you know? what speaks the most to people is actually the way that they feel, that the, the health that they see on their skin. Um, so really, this is why consumers are so ready to, to embrace the microbiome as a claim, because it's going to speak directly to their health. Um, and you know, sensitive skin is is a simple topic to discuss. Um, there is a study by Farage et al. showing the percentage of U.S. population self-reporting sensitive skin is on the rise. Um, it was something around this is statistics from the US, but uh, in 20, 2002, it was around 50%. Um, in 2011, it was more than 80%. Yeah. And, you know, this might be because of excessive use of cosmetics, uh, I don't know, exfoliating, uh, and so on. But it's really, it's not just the US statistics, it's really um, reflecting of the situation around the world. Um, so, so really speaking to this Uh, sensitive skin of consumers or really to skin conditions by providing them products that are microbiome friendly and that they will uh, maintain their skin health is something that um, they're really ready to adopt. That's my point. Um, So yeah, I said that I was going to touch on the science of it a little bit but this is an example. Um, So the skin microbiome is intertwined with so many mechanisms uh, of our skin Skin barrier is a very simple one and easy to understand. It's actually quite an important trend in cosmetics right now, the skin barrier function. Uh, but the skin barrier function can be threefold. You have the, the physical uh, barrier, which is essentially the skin and its lipids. You have the chemical barrier, which is the acid mantle, um, your skin's pH essentially being between 4.7 and 5.7 usually. And then you also have the immunological barrier, which is the microbiome and other skin systems. But for example, the microbiome is one of these functions that also relates to the other two. Uh, just as an example, you have Cutibacterium um, acnes, which eats sebum and produces lactic acid, which then lactic acid regulates the acid mantle. Or you have Staphylococcus epidermidis, which has been shown in studies to actually coordinate the way the building blocks of our skins, of our skin come together. So that's actually helping the lipid barrier, the physical barrier function. Um, so really what we find behind many claims is that the microbiome is also there and it's, uh, it's important and relatable. Uh, but let's look a bit at the historicity of the space. Um, I think around seven or eight years ago, uh, we had some brands that were making uh, relevant claims uh, to the microbiome. I think Galinae, uh, now acquired by Shiseido, is a very known one to La Skincare as well. Um, but what we're seeing is that this initial competitive advantage that uh, the initial movers had on the market uh, is now becoming an, un-neglectable, uh, an an unneglectable parameter, irrespective of the brand positioning, as I was saying before. Um, so actually, imagine... Well, all these brands are actually making uh, claims related to the microbiome. So, you know, when all these brands are turned to the consumers with their megaphones, um, writing blogs, as you said before, um, communicating uh, in, in simple yet direct ways with the end consumer, uh, you can see how this is going to be a mega trend or become bigger and bigger. Uh, but most importantly, I think, um, retailers want in. And, and this is something that is often overlooked. Uh, Johan touched briefly on it uh, in your introduction. Um, so actually this is a photo from the first retail activation that we did at Kind2Biome. Um, essentially we partnered up with Dover Street Parfum Market in Paris, kind of an iconic shop owned by Comme des Garçons. Um, and here we had the first physical space where a selection of microbiome friendly products could be showcased and, and this could be communicated to the end consumers. Um, and then we featured some of our brands, I think uh, it came out looking quite nice, we, we, we were very satisfied um, with how it looked. Uh, but. You know, retailers uh, in this case have the power to to elevate a claim and 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 bring the science to to the bathroom of the of the average person. Really, um, throughout discussions with with many retailers around the world, specifically in North America, we've been in talks with Credo and, Art and other retailers. Um, they were important drivers uh, in in the clean beauty movement. And you know, as as they understand that. The clean beauty is now becoming table stakes, uh, and it 's really something that, that everybody ev- everybody's clean almost almost every brand is clean um, so there's no really differentiating parameter and, and for the retailers, uh, I think that they are looking to, to reinforce uh, their position as the go-to expert um, in the beauty industry so to sum up, I think that and we've heard from many different stakeholders today. We've heard from regulatory people. We've heard from uh, OEMs, from um, product development people. We've heard from brands. Uh, and it seems that everybody is kind of ready. Um, and, and, and they already have a foot in this race. You know, They have already relating to the microbiome with claims, uh, by communicating it to their end consumers. But really, uh, the, the, the retailers are what is going to tip this scale. Um, from a trend to a mega trend in our opinion that's our presentation
0: all right that was Lars Fredriksson and Leo Salvi at the end of our second beauty innovation talks in Stockholm at the end of this podcast season the last episode of 2023 you won. Uh, what's on your wish list for this year? What, what, are, you, what are you hoping to get in your packages? Uh, I'm assuming it's not a beauty product.
1: <laughs> no, perhaps uh, interior objects to my new apartment. Uh, and a lot of hours in front of a streaming service uh, to, to rest and to get prepared for the trade fairs in the beginning of next year.
0: Well, I'll second that. Uh, thank you so much for this year. Thank you so much to all of you who has been listening and supporting our work throughout this year. We only have more to come in the next year, and do stay tuned on our newsletters. Visit scandinavianmind.com/newsletter for our uh, regular newsletter. Visit scandinavianmind.com/beautyinnovation not to miss any of our uh, beauty innovation insights newsletters and the subsequent events that we will be hosting again ton of content coming out of our feeds uh, ton of events in the works i think 2024 is going to be a great year but now we do need some rest so uh, happy holidays you are
1: likewise and to all of you happy holidays